Welcome to the Twinsultation Show. I'm Isaac Harris. I'm, and I'm Daniel Harris. And we're the Harris Twins hosting our very own podcast. And this is actually going to be our first published episode. Uh, but we wanted to make sure we focus and give an idea to our listeners and also viewers on what, our, what we're trying to do here. So my brother and I have been around athletics our whole life. We've been uh, Division II basketball players, Division III, uh, and Division I managers all across the spectrum, all within a matter of like, all within a matter of a few years. And we made a lot of friends along the way, made a lot of uh, relationships along the way, and we're very curious. <laughs> and we like the talking, we like making lighthearted conversation. So the, twins, the point of the Twinsultation show is, um, we ask a lot of people that we admire and, friend, and friends of ours that we like, and we ask questions and we have a lot of um, lighthearted conversation here. In other words, our guests are essentially point, uh, booking an appointment with us. So, and getting to know us. So for our first guest, um, he's a former manager, he's a former manager for the West Virginia women's basketball team. And he just started his own sports agency. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. He's like, he's like a brother to us. And we also wanted to do the, we also wanted to feature him as one of our first interviews to air because uh, we're going to support black owned businesses and and our buddy is a good is a good guy, and we want to support him and get and get to know him and let everyone know to get and let give everyone a chance to get to know him. So I'm gonna give it up to Jacoby Vault. Thank you. It's a pleasure you guys having me here. So um, I appreciate you, Daniel and Isaac, for bringing me on here to talk. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to having a good conversation and just kind of give you guys a little bit of background about how I went about it, things that have been challenging for me so far, and um, what the experience has been like. So I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. I'm ready to get started. That's awesome. Awesome. We are, we are excited as well, uh, about it. So Jacoby, my first question is for you, um, man, why start an agency during the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> That's so, a big question. So, um, I'm glad you said that. So, it's actually not an agency. It's a, um, right now it's a marketing and management firm. So right now I'm not a certified agent. Um, in January, there will be an option to take the test and become MVPA certified as an agent. But as of right now, um, I'm kind of doing a lot of consulting with clients on um, their pre-draft process on different marketing opportunities that may be available to them just to kind of expand their brand and also help kind of um, put a lot more hype around their name by increasing their stock going into this NBA drive. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty if guys should stay, if they should go back. Um, and some guys, you know, they want to capitalize and go ahead and enter their name in the draft. So me, I'm essentially playing more of a middleman position by advising them on certain decisions that they should make. Um, and just other marketing opportunities that may be available to them as a professional now. So it's just been like seeking out the opportunity and not just waiting for, you know, an agency to start hiring. Cause right now a lot of places are on hiring freeze. And I think a lot of people who are in the position like myself, who have relationships with people that are going pro should do the same. Just go ahead and immerse yourself into it and then just start to learn as you go. And it's been challenging, but I've learned a lot of things that have helped me grow in the industry overall. And like, it's been a wonderful experience, bro. Honestly, wonderful experience. Now with the current delays of um of uh, the NBA draft like withdrawal deadline and everything mm -hmm. else due to what is going on with the pandemic, what has been the 
Can you give us like some insight of what's going on with the process for many of those still early entrants and how yeah. they're feeling and what, what's, what's their thought process now in like the traditional sense where mm-hmm. basically around this time we'll be talking about summer league for many, yeah. for many basketball heads. Talk about what's going on with um, with the current state of what's going on with the draft process. For many yeah, so right now it's, it's extremely different. Like, like I said, I just kind of immersed myself into it and I've been learning every single day, like every single day. And with a lot of guys right now, it's like, okay, they didn't get a chance to perform in the NCAA tournament. So for guys like, you know, I mean, granted, John Morant, he was on the front page at Murray State, you know, playing phenomenal. But there's a lot of um, gyms that didn't get to play and perform on that large scale. So you, you got schools like Loyola, you know, that was a team that went very deep into the tournament, but there's talent on those teams but some of those guys didn't get an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament so it's like they kind of missed out essentially so some guys you know they're in that boat where it's like all right I'm gonna just stay another year even though my numbers were phenomenal um I'm just gonna stay and then you got guys like um Chris Clark which is one of my clients now um it's the uncertainty is there going to be workouts are they going to be individual workouts those those things haven't been decided yet on how they would take action with it they went ahead and canceled the G League for the remainder of this year. So that's over. So you still have that pool of guys from last year's draft class that are still competing to get a contract along with the new incoming class. So it's just going to be really staggered. And a lot of guys have to choose between, you want to go overseas, make money, get your numbers up, or do you just want to kind of fight for a G League position and then hope that that, you know, that full guaranteed contract comes next, you know? So it's, it's really a, a gamble. But I think a lot of guys are like, I'm going to play it safe. I don't know if I should come out of college now. But for the seniors, I think it's a good opportunity because a lot of guys aren't going to take that risk because they just don't know. So right now it's just a lot of uncertainty. But I think as time goes, people, it'll start to become a little bit more clear. And you mentioned one of your clients uh, mm-hmm. currently, uh, Chris Clark, yeah. uh, former Virginia Tech Hokie and also a uh, former uh, Texas Tech Raider. I know he – I know the NCAA tournament was – and the Big 12 tournament would have been, like, a big opportunity for him because he was starting to yeah. show some more growth. How is yeah. he – like, now you're talking about someone personally. How is he personally going yeah. through uh, – Going, how are you personally helping him guide through this process, yeah. trying to build himself and trying to get mm-hmm. ready for this draft process? Yeah, so, like, my – so, like, for example, so a lot of my duties is, is marketing him. So, a lot – so, like, Chris has been working, like, endlessly, like, like no other this off season because when things open up, he wants to be able to get back on the floor and show teams that, Hey, not only have I, you know, worked on my strength and my conditioning, but I've added to my game. So a lot of our page, you know, as far as BSG sports group is a lot of content of him working out, him showing, you know, that I'm able to shoot the ball with more confidence, things like that. And just staying ready because when things do open up, you don't want to be like, Oh, I got to get back in shape. So he's already putting all the work. He's already, you know, practicing with interviews, how we're doing. I have him go through. We talk, you know, and we talk on a daily basis just about things in general. Like he may say, hey, Kobe, you know, what do you think you do? Maybe sometimes I get stumped up on the interview and I just say, look, just kind of just practice talking to yourself. You know what I'm saying? And just little things like that because it's on the court as is very important, but also the way you carry yourself off the court is important. So Chris has structured that into his professionalism. And, and, and it's, a, it's a growth thing, you know. Going professional is new. but um. It's an experience. I think he's enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. So it's really been it's different, but it's it's going to be a different grind going into the NBA. Right. True. Yeah. Talking more about uh, your about talking more about the, like the idea for the group. Yeah. Um, 
are you just only going to center or just only focus on basketball players or you're mm-hmm. trying to expand to other athletes as well? Um, yes, yeah, so I definitely want to expand on athletes. I definitely want to do that. Um, to that to that question, I think a lot of athletes should look at, you know, kind of empowering the people around them. And the reason I say that is because, you know, kind of what today's um, with today's like current situation in society, like there's a lot of for you guys, for your example, like you guys have a podcast and it's like, all right, Jacoby has, you know, some content, some things that I feel like other people may want to hear. Same thing with Chris in our situation. It's like, all right, Chris knows I went to school for this. So I kind of take what I've learned, what I've been doing all throughout college. A lot of people don't realize it, but I've been marketing him, branding him all throughout college. Like that's what I've been doing, promoting him so that a completely different region, people from different parts of the country know who Chris Clark is. Now going into the draft, he has a support system from Virginia Tech. He has a support system from Virginia Beach. has a support system from Lubbock and West Virginia people because there's people in West Virginia who know them. So it's just very, like, I'm saying all this to say I think that I, I definitely know I want to branch out to different sports, but I feel as though, like, other people should start to, like, kind of look at taking this route if you have friends who are also involved with this because you don't want to just – miss out on the opportunity just because, oh, I'm not interested in baseball. I'm not interested in soccer. At the end of the day, it's still sports. It's still marketing. It's still brand management. It's still sports management overall. So it's a whole sphere. So. Right. You mentioned West Virginia. And uh, yeah. I know Daniel and I have our ties with WV. That's mm-hmm. for most people, for the people that don't know, I've been mm-hmm. a West Virginia fan since I was eight years old. Uh, the only two teams I grew up watching was – Lily George Mason and the West Virginia Mountaineers. And I was a man with Dana and I had the fortunate opportunity to be a manager for the men's team at the same time as you did. Oh, not yeah. for the men's team, but as the same time you were a women's manager and eventually you became the head women's manager. Uh, so I want to ask, did you get a lot of inspiration for marketing during your time at WVU as, a, as the head women's manager? Yeah. I give a lot of credit to our women's staff, honestly, like to our, the girls, uh, the staff, um, yeah, a lot of credit to them. Because, and the reason I said it, because those girls, a lot of people don't realize it, those girls gave me a platform. You know, like, I was able to get in the gym, and not only was, it, was I working for them, but at the same time, when they left the gym, they were working for me. Because, say, they may come across a guy that maybe, you know, wants to work out and you know they're trying to build a friendship with them and they say hey you know my boy Kobe he'll take care of you you know he'll work you out this and the other and it, they help essentially build the brand for me myself you know because a lot of people think oh like he just knows a lot of people but I met a, a majority of those people through having relationships with those girls and them seeing how authentic I was how serious I was about the work help expand my brand because ultimately you can't do it you can't reach everybody on your own but when you have 10 or 11, 12 people reaching out on your behalf saying, hey, no, actually, I know a kid or I know a guy. Or, you know, it's it's completely different. So, yeah, it, I definitely give a lot of credit to those women in that organization and the men as well. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Danny, I know you got something to say, man. <laughs> yeah, I do have a question. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Starting 2021 and 2022, the NCAA said those players can – can make profit off their likeness. Um, mm-hmm. what is your what is your opinions on that? What's your thoughts on that as um as the NCAA moves forward with that? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think let me say this. I think it's kind of forcing the hand of the NCAA because uh, I'll give you an example. Darius Baisley, he 
did um, an internship with New Balance, and he essentially got paid. It's like flat, um, flat rate a million dollars. It was with incentives and stuff like that. But he was able to train, and uh, at the same time, he was also able to be an intern for New Balance. So he was learning things about the industry, in its in itself. So I think the NCAA is kind of more afraid that guys like RJ Hampton, Lamelo Ball, who are just going on to play professional, doing the internship route, they're missing out on money, and then, and in addition, you have players um, now deciding to go play at HBCUs, which if you start to see more top players say, all right, I'm going to this HBCU, it's like, all right, we have to start opening doors. So paying them, I, I mean, them being able to get paid off their likeness is really good. Paying them directly would be difficult to determine who gets paid more. But based off a of player's likeness, you know, if you sell my jersey with my name, my number on the back, you know that people are buying the jersey because it's my, you know, it's my jersey. So I feel like they should keep track of, you know, the sales, the amount of revenue, and that should be given to those players after they graduate or when they determine decide to leave, you know, that way they have cash in their pocket. So they're not just playing for nothing, you know. So I think it's a really good idea. Just yeah. will be difficult to see how it turns out, though. Yeah, especially with um, the current state of the pandemic with a lot of, t- a lot of programs are – getting budget cuts and a lot of salary stuff that was going on. It's going to be really interesting. Do you see any impact with that or anything like that, moving on with yeah. that policy? Yeah. Um, as far as the money, like, right now, like, a lot of teams are, like, kind of like a hiring freeze in itself. Like, they're not taking on a lot of new assistant coaches. You may see a cut on managers. I mean, just us three, you know, we were former managers. You may see a cut on how many managers are traveling now. Um, you may see a cut in GAs and stuff like that. So I don't necessarily want to say that I don't think the um, allowing players to like – allowing them to get paid off their likeness is one of the things on the fourth – like one of the things that's priority for them right now with the NCAA. I think um, right now they're probably just trying to focus on how we can get these players in here to generate more money because at the end of the day, that's why – um, NCAA is kind of in this nutshell where it's like, all right, do we bring the players back? Do we not? But the difference is the NBA and NFL can do that because those guys are professional. They're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. You can't take a group of amateurs and say, hey, come play. They get sick, and now you're sending them home to their families, and now it's just kind of spreading. So it's a lot of liability that the NCAA will incur if they do bring these players back to play and perform, and then they get sick. So it's completely different when you have professionals, though. Right, so do you think that um, – do you think we're going to have a season or it's going to be all delayed? Because, like, um, we're going to have yeah. – we're, we're going to – there's going to there's gonna be a huge disparity between a Big 12 school like Baylor mm-hmm. who can get tests yeah. automatically compared to a mid-major school like yeah. like uh, Houston Baptist. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. like it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, what, what do you think how that's going to – We're going we're gonna to find out. Please note, Monday afternoon we'll find out about the JUCO um, – the JUCO vote, because if it goes, the rumor has it that Hoops will start their first official practice January 11th, okay. with, along with vocal scrimmages as well. So it is going, it's going to be interesting month, come Monday afternoon. Okay. Yeah, but into, into that question, so I don't think, honestly, I don't think that, that we will, I don't want to say we won't have a season, but it may be delayed. Let me say this. I think there's a lot of liability that's in place if colleges do say, hey, we want you to come back and play. Because with the football team, for example, you have maybe 100, 110 guys, right? You run the risk of putting all these guys together. They're tackling, they're sweating. 
Um, not to mention you need to have coaches out there. So you have older coaches around younger talent who's sweating. You know, it's just a lot of moving. It's a lot of moving pieces. And then, you know, as far as isolating people, you don't have enough rooms to maybe say, okay, the NCAA says, okay, we'll put all the football players in towers. We'll put all the basketball players in Lincoln. But you don't have enough space to take and bring students into that environment as well. And that's where a lot of that money comes into play because ticket sales, jersey sales, the bookstores, concessions, all that stuff really generates the money. We could play a game, but if nobody's buying anything, nobody's paying for tickets, then there's no revenue other than the TV. You, you know, so that's going to be the biggest um, determinant factor, I think, is just we need to have fans in attendance as well. But at the same time, we run a lot of risk by doing that. And then not only that, the players, those are essentially the assets, you know. So, you know, if you get those guys sick as amateurs, that's going to be a really, that's going to be a really big deal, especially if it's a top prospect. Right. Right. And that, that, that brings a whole other thing to like, well, yeah. that's why some players are like, should we, and that it, it, it all ties in together as like a huge circle to where like, all right, should I even come back to school? Mm-hmm. You know, like as far as the basketball perspective or should I even consider yeah. doing yeah. every, doing anything outside of it? It's, it's yeah. very interesting. And like, I mean, you mentioned like the HBCUs, they're going to be hit yeah. a lot because they, yeah. they're not making as much as money as like the end of the, they're not making the TV money. Like, yeah the big like the power five like yeah. I, like I've, like we've seen with the hbcus is like the homecomings are getting canceled and they're mm-hmm. going to go virtual for the homecomings morehouse was the first was the first school to say hey we were not going to be playing football this season mm-hmm. and that caused a lot of that caused a lot of huge stir because of morehouse and because of the yeah. factor of it and i believe and i think it's going to cause a the double down triple trickle effect basically mm-hmm. throughout the whole hbc community whether you're division one Division two, NAIA, or JUCO, you know, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be a triple down effect. So it, it's gonna be interesting how they're all yeah. gonna do this. Yeah. yeah. And, and go ahead. And, <laughs> and I and I no something I want to um, piggyback off of that is um, typically what we'll see is the professional teams will make a decision, and then the NCAA will kind of try and structure their um, decision based off of how they do it. So, like just an example, like whenever um, the NBA has shut down, like close the remainder of the season NCAA was still kind of up in the air like all right are we still going to proceed with the Big 12 tournament because I know we were out there still for a couple like hours still trying to figure out like are we going to be playing or not but it would turn to okay we'll do without the fans but then it's like all right well the players may still get sick and then not to mention all right we have coaches you know we have guys like um even coach Huggins for example I mean he's an older guy so you don't want to put your head coach you don't want to put anybody really in a the position to get sick and especially with the extreme, you know, conditions of COVID, you know, that's a lot of people are dying from this. So this isn't something like, Oh, you know, we can get a flu shot. This isn't something that you could just get over. So it's, like I said, it's too much liability. And I think as with universities, you want to avoid that type of risk because you can, you know, literally you can get into a lot of lawsuits, you know, people could bring, you know, different lawsuits against you, you know, it, it's just really iffy. I would, if, it, if I had to make a decision and say what I, I honestly think, I don't think we will have a season. Mm-hmm. That's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a hard take. Yeah. So now, now, now I got a question that's going to be fun off the serious topics, man. You got ties with the seven, five, seven, you got ties in Texas. Um, what, what is your, what's your thoughts on both areas, man? And 
for yeah. those we got listeners who don't understand the impact of what the seven five seven is, man. So tell yeah. describe describe it in <laughs> less words yeah. in many less words. Yeah, seven five seven is it's culture. Like I mean, DMV. It's a like it's like a, the culture is completely different. But with the seven five seven, I think it's like put it this way: it's like a big family. Like so, like. If I meet anybody from the 757, it's like, we're family, like, automatically. Even if I don't know you, it's like, oh, no, you're fam. So Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Suffolk, all those, like, there's seven cities. And uh, it's I think it's basketball century. Like, I loved it, like, growing up. Like, I played ball, but, like, I've always been around all the ball players. They always knew I, like, want to be an agent at some point in my career. Always want to be around the game of basketball. So it's, like, the best place I could be possibly, like, as far as meeting top players, top athletes, like, they come out of there. You have Allen Iverson. Um, you have Cat Barber. You have Devin Hall. You just have so many, like, extreme athletes, even artists, Chris Brown, um, Pharrell. You know, it's just a lot of talent out of that city. Uh, 757 region, I think it's just phenomenal. And then Texas. Texas breeds a lot of, like, football, basketball, big city with a lot of opportunities here. So I think I literally was – I've been blessed just to be in both positions, you know, especially with what I want to do as far as – I was in a place where there was tremendous athletes, and now I'm in a place full of opportunities as far as business, sports, and uh, Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Mavericks, and it's just the networking is insane here. So it's just elevated my um, my network and my expertise, honestly, as a whole. Right, and like I want to piggyback off Daniel. I, it's funny because like people don't realize how small like when you're from an area, and I, and I'm not just saying like just the 757 or the DMV yeah. or like New York. When you're from an area and you play sports, yeah, it's a so it's such a small circle. Yeah, like small like area. like for the listeners and like watchers, like I we knew I knew Jacoby because I played against Chris Clark yeah. when he was at Cape Henry my sophomore year when he was playing with uh, Marcus Evans, Jimmy Page. Yeah, um, yep. yeah, we got yeah. blown out at Atlantic Shores. Uh, my yeah. brother Daniel started that game. You, I mean, Daniel, you remember that? You got the first bucket that game. Oh, yeah, I don't, we were, I don't remember too much of it. Yeah, that was a rough game. I mean, like, I remember the blowout. So. Yeah, we got <laughs> we got blown up bad. Like, it, it was like you know that like it's such a small world being from that, and then being from the DC area, it's like if you played at Run and Shoot yeah. or at uh, Capital Sportsplex, you you've seen each other cross you've seen you cross each other at some point. Yeah, so, and, and that's and, and that's what I love about it, bro. Like honestly, like the game of basketball just brings like so many of us together. And, like, I wouldn't have met half the people that I do know if it wasn't for basketball, I don't think. Like, because that common interest has allowed me to meet guys. I mean, I mean, the friendships I've been able to cultivate with, like, guys like Matt Coleman, um, even Chris, like, growing up, you know, Marcus Evans, like, Devin Hall, all those guys, like, if it wasn't for the game of basketball and, like, just, like, the integrity, the way that they play. So, like, guys may play basketball, but then the way they play the game also help like, makes you respect them more. So, like, I take a look at it that way, like, man, I love the way he plays the game. Like, it's super mature. It's super, like, that integrity of the game makes it more valid. And I think that's what helped, like, build them friendships. And even meeting you guys, like, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Chris, I remember you guys did play him. And it just, like, builds from there because now it's, like, a sense of connection, you know? Right. All right. And I I get – I get, I have people that give me flack about it, but I'm like, that's just how you – it's how you build – it's how you meet people, like – some of the yeah. people that we're going to have on this show later on, it's just because we met them through basketball or we grew up with them. Like yeah. some of the people that some, I'm not going to go link into 
too many of our other guests. Some of our guests have are high class athletes that don't play basketball. Yeah. Like later on, and like it's weird how I know that it's weird how we built relationships with them. But and, and some of the, and some of the guests <laughs> that we might have here, they might be great. They might be doing something totally outside of sports. They might be yeah. And we just things. build a relationship with, and that's the yeah. it's very interesting. So we got to ask some more unserious questions. Some some more fun questions, man. Yeah. Um, what's the what's your one of your least favorite memories of being a women's basketball manager? Because <laughs> some of them girls are taller than you. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. The height. No. Let me. Let me say this. The height doesn't bother me. I will tell you what my least favorite memories is. Let me say this. It was my least favorite, but it was probably the best thing that happened to me. Is dealing with girls. They are extremely needy. But let me say this. I think it's allowed me to pay attention to more details. Like pay. Like pay attention to. Okay. I need to make sure. Like you know. For example. Like all right, I got to make sure that I have this piece of gun for Tiny's before she goes out on the court every time. Like, just like, it was like small things like that. And they would get on me like, Cody, where's my gun? And it's like, all right, dang, I forgot. But going forward, it's allowed me to be like, all right, let me make sure I have my gun in my pocket. All right, you know, let me, all right, Kaja needs her shoes. I'm make sure she has those pink ones. You know, just like small things like that. Um, even like Lucky, like, all right, I need to make sure I get out there like five, 10 minutes. So I know Lucky going, she going to want to shoot. And if I'm not out there, she's like, Cody, where are you? So it's just like those little things, like girls being more, um, I wouldn't say needy, but just expecting more. You know, girls expect a lot more just from being females than guys do. Guys tend to be a little this little kind of like, bro, I, I'll get, I'll get it. But you know, with girls, it's like, where's my gun? You know, so it. I wouldn't say it was definitely one of my least favorite things. It was an adjustment, but it definitely helped me grow for sure, most definitely. Right. Yeah, you played. Did you play any of them one on one? No, I didn't test my luck. I'm good. You didn't want to try it? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, they 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 play every day, so it's like um, I should hear a rebound, and I keep you keep you you know keep you going by clapping, bro. So yeah, yeah, just try to like just you know just keep it moving, just you know like you yeah. got it, you got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause like I feel like that's the thing. Like I feel like uh, one thing I do not like is like some people really underestimate these women's basketball players. Yeah. Like these girls are high class athletes. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. The work they put in is 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 like no other. I tell you, like, for example, uh Lucky, they put in a tremendous amount of work. Like a tremendous amount of work. Kaiser, um she puts in she puts in a tremendous amount of work summertime. I remember summertime we were we were grinding, like grinding, like every day it was like consistently. I tell you one of the hardest work is like I've ever like came across though, like by far, is definitely um Katrina. Katrina Party. Mm -hmm. She works out like every day. Like every day, like like when I say every day, every day. I remember one time like Katrina, like, you know, like you don't ever like get tired of like, you know, working out because I, I used to tell her like you may burn yourself up before the season comes. But, you know, even Coach Carey, like he went in uh he did an interview and he talks about how much she works out. She works out a tremendous amount. Um I would say Madison and uh, Madison and Kari, those girls just have like a God-given talent, bro. It's like like they can take like, you know, three four days off and come back like a fish. Like they they may be a fish out of water for like five minutes and then they're knocking down shots playing at a peak. That's it's like whoa, like they didn't take a day off. So those those two like phenomenal. Just all the girls, all those girls that we've had in our program are extremely good. So like. When you ask me, do I have I ever played any of them one on one? It's like I just stay in my lane. I, you know, I want to be right, yeah. an agent at some point. So, 
I sit over here, build the connections, and uh, I let them do all the hooping, and I can't, I can't hang. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I know you got to see a lot of different type of well basketball. I mean, especially mm-hmm. the Big Twelve. The four years you were there, there was Baylor at least had a top ten pick on their teams. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, name some of the if you want to talk about some of the some of the more famous of uh, some of the best women's basketball players you got to see like coming along. Yeah during your four years at WB. Yeah. You want to talk and go in? Mm-hmm. So, Kalani Brown, definitely. Yeah. yeah Brown, just like a beast, yeah. man. That was – I was probably like – I've seen her play twice. And – no, I've seen her play once. I've seen her play once. And uh, – no, actually, I've seen her twice. I've seen her um, twice in one year. I've seen her when we went to their school and then when she came to us. And, man, she – when I tell you, like, she's – phenomenal like you know she's obviously larger than a lot of the girls you know physically but she could play the game like that's what a lot I feel like a lot of people like miss by the game basketball like even like as far as being a manager I don't pay attention to like I don't pay attention to like okay she's scoring phenomenally I pay attention to like all right the way she talks the way she communicates or like the way that she like goes about you know just playing the game like that's the type of stuff that I'm like tapped into and I'm paying attention to when I'm seeing if a player is actually good or if I'm missing something. So Kalani Brown, definitely. Tiny's Martin. Listen, Tiny's is up there. I, I mean, Tiny's, listen, scores like no other. You know, obviously she'll have off days, off games. Um, but man, when she's knocking down, it's, it's cold, cold. Yeah, she has a, she has a shot. She reminds me, I'm just being real. You know, people, a lot of people may say, man, that's far-fetched, but she kind of reminds me of a, um, like a Kevin Durant, essentially. She's kind of quiet on the court during the game, but, like, whenever it's time to go, she'll snap, and she'll snap, and she's just a silent assassin, I think. You know, that's what I think. I think a lot of people think that who played against her. And uh, the person who has a garden, they got a long night, a right. long night. Yeah, no, like, mention those two people. Like, those speaking, are, yeah. speaking of Chinese, is she in the bubble? Um, so with women's basketball, I think there's a hold on, um, the women's basketball season because they typically start playing right, right about now, like in the summertime is when their season will start. So I don't think it's been, a uh, too much, uh, um, like, I guess guidelines put in place as for how their season is going to go about. Um, and honestly, I had to like brush up on, you know what I'm saying? How they're going about it. Cause even with the bubble, there's so many different changes going on with the bubble and, you know, players, how they're going to quarantine if they do get sick and stuff like that. So, as of right now, I'm not too positive on that one. Yeah, so speaking of the bubble, what's your view on the WNBA and the NBA's bubble? Do you think it's going to be – do you think it's going to work? Yes and no. I think that the NBA, WNBA, if they um, go about it, I think they'll be willing to take that risk because, like I said in the beginning, a lot of um, the players, they're professionals, so they are willing to t- – let me say this. They're professionals, so they get paid for this. So it's like, all right, I know the liability, the risk that I'm taking. So it's different when you have amateurs who, you know, you're saying, hey, sign a waiver to come out here and play, but you run the risk of getting sick. So I think that the NBA, WNBA knows that there may be a few players that do end up getting sick, but they have a plan in place to or if a player does get sick, they quarantine at this – resort for two weeks and then you know they're sent home so they have a plan which is step one which is which every organization each 
organization that plans to resume play, plans to bring students back on campus, needs to have. And the NBA has a good plan. Will it work? We don't know. We'll see. But um, it's risk. It's, it's all risk, man. Right, right. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that bubble pulls off. I think it's going to work, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's how they're going to it's how they're going to handle when someone actually gets sick. Yeah, that that's my thing that I'm very curious about, and mm-hmm. um, that's the uh, that's actually one of the biggest concerns I got to ask. But one of the last mm-hmm. couple things I'm going to go off topic and switch it. One of the last things I got to ask, man, you're from, a, you're from an HBCU area originally. Yeah. Big HBCU area, Norfolk State, Hampton. Yeah. Some of the OGs yeah. are in there. Yeah. What, how do you feel about this HBCU movement? What, I think what, it's good. I think it's good. I, let me say this. I think it's really good. And the reason I say that is because – let me say this. I think the shift that we will see in college basketball is if – more guys start to follow and say, okay, I'm going to go to HBCU. It changed, the com- it changed the whole entire game, the whole entire game. The only difference I think with a lot of athletes not going to those schools is the sponsorship, the TV time, and um, the schedule. If you change those three things, with everything being changed right now in society with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, everything going on, if we – if they're shifting all these things and they shift college basketball, it changes the whole entire game because now you're going to have – if you're giving them the same TV time, you're giving them the same sponsorships with Nike or Adidas, and you're essentially saying you're still going to compete against the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the Carolinas, and it's like, all right, why not? And it allows for those schools to grow, you know? So now schools like Howard, they're going to have more attendance. Now that means more money. Now they're able to say, okay, we'll build a new arena. And now, going forward, it's like, all right, why wouldn't I go to Howard? They play on ESPN at night now. You know, they play on Monday nights, you know. All right, well, they sponsored by Nike. they sponsored by Adidas, you know. Same exact thing Kentucky has. It's just I think a lot of athletes now look at it like, if I want to play on the biggest stage, I have to go to a major Division One program. But if Howard, if Morehouse, if those schools are playing at a big national scale, then, I mean, you're going to see a lot of guys. You're going to see a lot of girls top athletes go to those schools and play right and that's the thing i'm excited about like uh mccure uh maker he committed to howard yeah i'm hype about i'm a hype about it and howard and i looked at howard's schedule Mm -hmm. for this upcoming year if pending if the season is still played on track they're Mm -hmm. playing villanova hosting notre dame yeah uh playing pet like their schedule like the thing the sad part about the hbcus a lot of the hbcus will sometimes have the hardest schedule in the country because they want to get the money game so, yeah. like, I remember one year Coppin State was playing Oregon, Gonzaga, Ole Miss, and, like, a bunch of other, like, power fives within, like, a two-week span just mm-hmm. to get the checks, just to collect yeah. the checks. But I yeah. feel like it's now it's like, okay, we're not just going to give you a money game. We're like, oh, no, we want we want to play you just to see because yeah. you have that player, like, like in high school. Yeah. Yeah, but, see, let me say this. So, with those teams, I mean, uh, like, if I'm being honest, a lot of those teams, like your Hamptons, your NSUs, they make it into the tournament every other year. And, you know, they may make a run. They're just missing a couple pieces. You know, the tallest guy on the NSU team may be 6'6". But if you start seeing guys start making moves like McCure Maker, then it's like it changes the entire game because it's like those schools like NSU, they play close games. They they keep the game close. It's just them missing a couple pieces. But if they have – you know, these uh, black athletes going to their schools now, 
come on, man. I mean, now you're going to have a 6'6 six, six guard, you know. Now you're going to have a 6'7 guard. But oftentimes on those teams, you're 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 6'9". Those are the centers for those schools. So it's going to shift, you know. And I think McCurry-Maker, he, he took the leap to kind of change it. But I think we'll see another um, – I think we'll see another move from a major prospect. And then as we start seeing more and more prospects, you know, start to go to HBCU, more guys are going to do the same exact thing. The same exact thing. Yeah. Now I do have a question for you um, yeah. about that HBCU. Do you think Norfolk State and I know Norfolk State landed one four-star uh, freshman um, early June. I forgot his name. Mm-hmm. They yeah. landed a four-star guard. Do you think Norfolk State or Hampton are going to land more of those top-ranked players? I know they're coming from great basketball traditions and everything. Um, Do you see a dynamic player? And if so, I know you follow the high school players. Which player do you think can fit those programs? Yeah. um, So right now, I know his name's Tavion Land. He actually played football at Liberty, but he just left Liberty and he went to NSU. Right, for football, yeah. Yeah, he just – he's an extreme athlete like he was super good in high school I mean since he came in as a freshman and the only thing is honestly that's stopping those guys I think from going to the schools is it's just the opportunities to get seen you know that's all players really care about as far as going to college I mean let me say this when kids get recruited to go to college and play basketball they're going after the schools that they think is going to give them the best opportunity to go professional. That's what they want to do. They want to play professional ball. So they need to get in front of all the scouts. They need to get in front of, you know, the coach that has the most pool, the most, you know, respected in the industry, because those are the coaches that can get them on the forefront. You play for Kentucky, you're going to be on TV almost every night that you play a game. If you go to, uh, NSU, the likelihood of your cousin, your family seeing your game, they may have to stream it. They may have to actually dig to get the content. But you could just turn on your TV and a West Virginia game just comes on. So that's the difference in those guys choosing what school they want to go to. But um, to answer your question, I mean, I think a lot of young talent, you know, out of the Beach area, uh, that 757 area, those schools like Hampton, um, Norfolk State, they're going to be able to recruit heavily because now you see guys like Tavion Land, who uh, is an, a really good example, who just went ahead and shifted and said, you know, I'm going to leave Liberty and I'm going to go to Norfolk State, which is not too far down the road. It's 30 minutes from Virginia Beach. So when players see, oh, Tank went to that, um, to NSU, all right, let me talk to Tank and see what made him go to NSU. And then Tank will say, this is why I decided to go there. And now that player will go. And then going forward, that player is there. His friend asked him, yo, why did you go to NSU? And he'll explain why he went. And it's just a trickle-down effect. Right. So that's yeah. the thing. And you talk about marketing and branding. Like, yeah. you think, like, a guy like Mikey, whose mother's a HU grad, she's a pop, yeah. she's a former pirate. Like, yeah. you think, like, him going there is just going to, like, just going to build his own brand up? Yeah. Yeah, and his brand. But also, let me say this. McCure Maker, he definitely – his – let me say this. He's expanded to people that probably didn't know McCurry Maker, you know, people who probably don't follow basketball like we do. People know who he is because they say, oh, he made a pinnacle move in the industry. He just mm-hmm. went to Howard. So now people are like, wow, who's the kid who went to Howard? Now people know who he is. You know, Mikey make that same move. It's like, Yo, hold on, wait. So do McCurry and Mikey made the move? Those are pinnacle moves in the industry. Those are game changers. So those guys who make those decisions to 
you know, go to this school, go to that school. Those are like industry moves. Those are like, those are, I would say historical moves. I would say those are like moves that will be remembered. You know, who was the first, you know, top recruit to go to the HBCU? It'd be extreme. It'd bring in a substantial amount of money to Howard. It'll help them get more recruits in the future because Mikey went here, McCure went here, and it'll just keep continuing to grow. And, you know, you got guys like, um, I would say Bronny, who he's a really good athlete. The likelihood of him probably going to college may be slim, you know, just because of his, his ability to play the game, his, his caliber, I mean, and his father. But if he decides to make a move as so going to HBCU, you don't think 30 other young African-American athletes who, you know, look up to him who may be, you know, eighth grader, seventh grader, they're going to say, you know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Howard, you know, Bronny went there. So it's just a trickle down effect. Right. And that's the thing I want to ask too. Like, yeah, you know, speak like this is the last thing regarding the HBCUs and before mm-hmm. we uh, got to go, my thing is um, the MEAC for those who aren't following HBCU sports, mm-hmm. the MEAC is unfortunately dying. Like yeah. it, it's a dying conference. You have your founding teams, North Carolina A&T, Hampton, Bethune-Cookman, all leaving the conference as far as football, as far as, like, because of football. They're all leaving for the Big South or going to the other rival HBCU conference, the SWAC. Now, do you think by these pinnacle moves by top football, basketball, and, hell, even baseball commits, like, that are like, I'm supposed to be in the elite majors, but I'm going to just go here for the three years instead. You know, like, I'm going to just go here, go to this HBCU instead. Do you think it's going to revitalize a, a conf- that conference, like the MEAC, per se, or a dying HBCU conference at all levels? Yeah. And like I said, I, I mean, I hate to keep, like, sound like I'm repeating the same thing, but it all comes down to the money. You know, that's what it is, man. It's that money that um, has those schools making those decisions. You know, it's the money factor. Like, teams leave a conference. I mean, um, West Virginia, we were in um, – the Big East, Big East, right? Yeah, we yeah. were in the Big East, but we left and went to the Big 12 for money factors, but... That's a, that's lo- a funny story, <laughs> how, yeah. how that happened. Yeah, but when you look at it, though, as far as us being in the Big 12, it really doesn't make any sense because every school that's in the Big 12 conference, they're right along in here, in this area, Texas, the Baylor, TCU. So we're the only team that's on the East Coast, so it's like we come from here all the way down here continuously. So it's... It's not so much. It's it, it all comes down to the money, you know. That's what I that's what I think uh, makes those shifts and those pinnacle, you know, moves in the industry. And a lot of people don't understand exactly why did this team leave and go to this conference. It's, it all comes down to that money, man. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, if it, like there's an old quote that my dad taught me a long time ago. He said, "If it's not, if someone says it's not about the money, it's mm-hmm. about the money." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. it's a true it's, yeah. and then like the more I've getting gotten older, the more I've seen it. But Daniel's got that last final question, uh, a fun yeah. question. I know he's got one for you before we all cut off here a little bit. Go ahead, who's, Daniel, ask it. Who's who's one in the bubble? Mm. I'll say LeBron, man. I would say LeBron. I I'm gonna say, I'm gonna tell you exactly why I think that. If people weren't paying attention, LeBron was working the whole entire let me say this. It's a lot of guys who probably were working. We just didn't know it. Guys like Kawhi, they can surprise you, man. Kawhi's quiet, but he's a silent assassin. He's working. But at the same time, LeBron knows, I got to get this one. Because you know, he, 
listen, everybody going to say, LeBron, you better get that ring for Kobe. So it's a lot of – people probably don't know, but it's a lot of pressure on LeBron at this point to go ahead and get that, that championship ring back to L.A. But I think he's going to do it, though. I, I, I genuinely think he's going to do it because I've seen the work he's been putting in uh, as far as recording um, from his team, you know, and, and just, like, him in himself just recording his IG workouts and stuff like that. He, I think he's known, all right, this thing's going to start back up. As soon as it starts back up, I don't want it to look like I missed a step. So I think he's going to take it home. But Kawhi can surprise us, man, because Kawhi's quiet. But we all know he working. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He is working. Yeah. I mean, my, my, I'm with you on that. I, I I can't go against LeBron. LeBron, a little different animal. But then again, yeah. no one's heard or seen from Kawhi. <laughs> yeah. So no one. it's going to be a, a fun little – it's going to be a fun little AAU version of the NBA and, yeah. and Disney. But that being said, I'm a, uh, we're, going to, we're going to cut it off here. Jacoby, okay. you got a final thought for us to tell to all our listeners and viewers, man? No, I would just say this to everybody, even uh, you guys. I mean, you guys are doing a wonderful job, man, putting this together. I, I, think, it's, appreciate I think it's exceptional. Appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me on here. I think it's good, too, seeing, like, my friends and uh, my family doing stuff like this like different you know and I would say to like the viewers like if it's anything like I know it sounds so cliche if it's anything like you're thinking about doing just do it because a lot of people ask me like man why don't you start um a management business and I know it's a bold move but I say one thing you don't want to do you don't want to live in regret you don't want to live like thinking man I missed out on this opportunity and I think people do that uh oftentimes where it's like man, I really want to do it, but you're afraid of failing. Yeah, like, you're going to have to fail. Like, that's just a part of it. Even now, like, I've learned, like, I don't know. Listen, I say there's so much I have to learn, like, so much that I do learn on, like, a daily basis just from reading contracts, um, sitting down and just looking at film breakdown sessions and even just, like, building relationships and talking with, you know, players, talking with Chris on a daily basis. I learn stuff from him on just how he feels about things and, it's just important to just, like, whatever you feel like doing, just do it. And I think you guys are, like, a really good example of it, man, by just putting this together, bringing me up here and talking. It's a pinnacle move, bro. No, I think it's a really good move in the industry, and I appreciate y'all, boys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. That's, uh, Jac- that's Jacoby Vault with his own sports it was his own sports brand. My man, uh, and the big quote for him is, build your own brand. Build your brand. Yes, sir. That's, your how, brand, that's, how, that's how we rock with yeah. it. Uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in and uh, tune in for the next guest. Thank you, Jacoby, so much. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate we'll see you soon, man. Stay safe. Right. Stay safe out y'all there in Texas. Yes, sir.